Hello, and welcome to um, another episode of Voice of X. I hope everyone had a great Christmas and a happy new year. Uh, I know I was only planning originally on taking the week of Christmas off, um, but I ended up taking off both weeks. So I just didn't get around to making this next podcast. I mean, until now, that is. Uh, if, if you're new to Voice of X, uh, just to kind of fill you in on, on what I'm about here, I'm really trying to provide a view of the world and current events through the eyes of a generation that seems to have been forgotten, Generation X. We hear a lot about baby boomers and millennials, but rarely is Gen X discussed. So this just kind of gives a perspective from a Gen Xer, uh, myself, uh, on things that are currently happening. So I also want to let you know that podcasts um, will be getting, uh, getting aired on weekends from now on rather than Thursdays like they have been. Um, from time to time, they may even only be uploaded every other week. I have a lot going on in my life, to be honest, and researching these topics, it takes quite a bit of time, more than I think I anticipated. In essence, I'm writing a 6 to 12 page expository or persuasive essay for every podcast, so it takes quite a bit of time. Um, but anyway, just letting you guys know. So now before the Christmas holiday, I was listening to Why I'm Not a Pacifist by C.S. Lewis. And I decided for this podcast that I wanted to research reason, because uh, he touches on that in, in that. And uh, I wanted to, to kind of go into how to reason with people. And instead, what I ended up really having were, uh, was this one big question. And that question is, what has happened to common sense? It's just maddening at times to be debating things that are patently obvious. And what's worse is that these people lacking a common sense view of various situations. While, while they're very passionate about the topic, they can provide very few, if any, real facts or evidence for their case. Um, you know, we've all seen that meme online that says arguing with an idiot is like playing chess with a pigeon. No matter how good you are, the pigeon is going to knock over all the pieces, poop on the board, and strut around like he won. And that's what it's like arguing with these people. Uh, it, it, it's idiocy, to, to, to be honest with you. And so, this is, I find, I'm, I'm getting to find this to be more and more apparent in today's social media especially. People can blast their opinions to others without any real evidence to support their opinions. And usually they resort to name-calling and virtue signaling when they're confronted about it. They really can't defend their opinion with evidence, but usually will declare themselves to be more compassionate and thus more enlightened than you are. All the while, by the way, hiding behind their monitor. I wish it stayed there, though. It used to only take place online. Now, I'm really beginning to see that online mentality uh, carry over into everyday life. People I meet actually behave in the same fashion that they might behave when typing away on Facebook. It's unbelievable, really. But uh, that just seems to be the way it is anymore. Uh, there seems to be a complete and utter lack of common sense. And you can't argue with the folks who lack it, because while they may be objectively wrong, they're governed by emotion and can only see things subjectively. And this gives them a very uh, myopic view of situations and circumstances. If you show sympathy rather than approaching every situation in life with empathy, you're accused of having no compassion. And I know this word empathy is getting a lot of attention nowadays, whether it's in business or the, you know, in the office or in home or, or dealing with, with various issues, homelessness or, or, or welfare, anything in our society. Empathy has become this big buzzword. 
and I don't think most people really understand it. What's even worse is if you're a white male, well, forget about it. As a white male, you're apparently born with the ability, or without the ability, I should say, to care for others at all. You're inherently racist, homophobic, Islamophobic, xenophobic, and have some special power or privilege that gets you the best paying jobs with little to no effort. Of course, I myself am a white male, so I guess I must not know what I'm talking about either. Um, but anyway, uh, I could go on, that's a bit of a tangent, but anyway, I, kinda, yeah, I mean, I kind of digress here. So let's start out on this topic of reason and common sense by just asking a few questions. The first question is just what is common sense? I mean, what is the definition of common sense? And here it is. And again, I'm referring to uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Their definition of common sense is a sound judgment based on simple perception of the situation or facts. Synonyms for common sense are discretion, gumption, I kind of like that word, uh, horse sense, level-headedness, prudence, sensibleness, and wisdom. All things that I think most people would want said about themselves. I mean, I'm sure most people would like to be thought of as wise and prudent. I mean, I know that I would. Okay, so look at it this way. Well, I don't find myself arguing that you shouldn't try walking across a freeway. I mean, I think anyone with an ounce of sense would not argue this point. It's unsafe to walk across a freeway. Common sense, right? But what about something a little more nuanced, say something like work ethic or merit? I mean, the idea that you should work hard, work smart, and you should be given a fair wage in accordance with the value of your skills, that's, let me backtrack a little bit, fair wage here, that seems to be a little bit of a loaded phrase nowadays. I don't mean that you're entitled to a fair living wage simply because you work. I mean, if your only skill is something that 80% of the population can do, then you simply won't make much money because the supply of workers with those skills far outweighs the demand from the workplace. And this is basic high school economics. So, uh, but if you think we should do a future podcast or I should do a future podcast on basic economics, let me know. Uh, I wouldn't mind. It's an area I'm very interested in, although I'm not an economist. Um, but I'd also highly recommend you head over to Hillsdale College. Uh, they have a free eco uh, economics course you can take there for their free online courses. Uh, go check out policyed.com. They have some great snippets on economics as well as some other topics. Or go pick up Thomas Sowell's book, uh, Basic Economics. Those are all great places uh, to start. Anyway, um, back to it here. The wage you earn should be yours. After all, I mean, you earned it. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't pay into taxes to provide for common services, taxes to pay for the roads. Um, and right, I can hear the libertarians screaming for privatized roads, but that's a different topic. For now, we need to pay for roads, police services, fire department, infrastructure, etc. These things are important. Uh, I mean, they're important to be sure, and we all have a responsibility to provide for them. They're for the common good. But what about entitlement programs? Programs that benefit a small portion of the population. Uh, welfare, food stamps, unemployment, and I know some people might get angry about this right now, Social Security. Yes, Social Security is an entitlement program despite what you may have heard. Now, of course, we've all been told uh, that it's not an entitlement program, that it's an earned benefit, but it's actually not. Uh, to quote Forbes magazine, an entitlement as a type of federal spending is a government program in which recipients automatically receive benefits that they're eligible for based on the applicable legislation. Social Security is an entitlement because everyone who meets the eligibility criteria, which is 40 quarters of eligible earnings, is entitled to a benefit. No one is dependent on Congress to appropriate spending every year in order to receive their Social Security checks. End quote. 
So in other words, when you meet the minimum requirements, you're simply eligible and you'll get it regardless of the, of, of, of the budget. On the flip side, a welfare program such as Section 8 is not. There's only a certain amount of money and you have to get on a waiting list to get that. All right. So now I wasn't there when Social Security started and everyone may have been taught. You guys have all been, may, may have been sold a bill of goods that just doesn't actually exist. But regardless of what you're told, it is by definition an entitlement program. There is no arguing this. You paid into it for sure, but your money's long gone, spent by the government. If you're retired right now, the money you're getting, that's not your money. That's my money. And 1.8 other guys' money. We'll get to that in a second. I mean, it's everyone else's money who's paying into the system right now. And there aren't enough workers to supply Social Security for much longer. See, guys, when, there's a few facts where when Social Security first started, the average life expectancy was 60. I mean, that's average, right? So some people live longer than that. And so, so Social Security really only helped those who were above average of the little bit longer than average lifespan lived past 65. And at the time when Social Security started, there were 159 workers in the workforce supporting every one retiree 65 or older. Now, there's only 2.8 workers for every one person collecting Social Security. It went from 159 workers to one to 2.8 to one. And that number's decreasing, guys. Common sense says that we better all be willing to take a hit so that we can all benefit from Social Security in the future. But the current generation of retirees, for the most part, is unwilling to budge. That's my money, they scream. But as with any good Ponzi scheme, the truth is that eventually there'll be a generation where the government throws up its hands and says, that's it, we're out of money, you lose. Now, understandably, the current Social Security recipients, I mean, they're angry. Uh, and they were told growing up Social Security would be there for them. And so far it has been. They paid, as we all do, into the system, and between our share and our, your, you know, your share and your employer's share, it adds up to more than the amount you've probably paid in federal income tax. See, the truth is that all entitlement programs are taking your money by force and giving it to a particular segment of the population, simply because they meet a certain criteria. Now, stay with me here, because some people are going to get mad and say, but we need to help people, you know, where's your compassion? Or there might be people on the other end of the spectrum that say, hey... Man, I paid into the system, and I should be able to get it all back. Well, believe it or not, I'm not totally against some form of entitlement or welfare program, but with boundaries, all right? I mean, no free handouts, just help for fellow tax-paying citizens to get back on their feet and start providing for themselves. Uh, maybe a privatization of Social Security. There are a lot of things we can go in, in different areas. So, but, but just saying this, because before you get angry and emotional, listen to this podcast all the way to the end. There's some questions that still need to be answered, and we're only on the common sense portion right now, okay? So let's get back to it. Uh, um, we were talking about earnings, all right? What you earn, it, it should be yours. I mean, by definition, this is kind of an entitlement, but it's an entitlement based upon merit. Rather than meeting a certain criteria, such as belonging to a specific group or class, you earned it. You agreed to provide your skills and labor for a wage or a compensation. I think any child who's worked hard to earn allowance, they wouldn't be too happy if you took 50% of it and gave it to somebody else. Tommy, uh, you have brown hair, fewer percentage of the population has blonde hair, so we're going to take half your money and we're going to give it over here to Blonde Jimmy Crest Street. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what's happening here, and I don't think they'd be too happy with that. I mean, it's kind of common sense. Simple look at it. I earned it. Why are you taking it and giving it to somebody who didn't? It's a very basic concept. So let me give you an example. I was discussing the Affordable Care Act with a coworker, and this was several years ago uh, before it went into effect, uh, before we you know, voted it in to see what was in it. 
anyway, like many others, my health care is part of my compensation. I work for it. I earn it. And I mean, I may leave to go elsewhere if the medical coverage is better. Um, now, whether this is a good idea or not, you know, your medical insurance being part of your 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 salary, uh, that's kind of irrelevant to the example. It's simply the way it is right now. Uh, so anyway, I had mentioned that I really don't want my coverage to change at the demand of the government. I said, I work for mine, I earn it, and I like the way it is. My coworker then accused me of being an elitist, slapping me with some kind of negative uh, title as though I'm not compassionate or I think I deserve more than I have earned. Or, uh, and this kind of made me a bit angry. Uh, is I, I don't think that I'm more deserving of my medical coverage for any reason other than that I agreed to it when I was hired and I worked to earn it on a daily basis any more than I would be happy if somebody just came and took all of my money at gunpoint and said, I'm going to go redistribute it. I just wouldn't, it's mine. I earned it. I paid it. Now, I mean, if I stop doing my job to the satisfaction of my employer, then I get fired, right? I mean, I no longer earn my compensation. I mean, that's not to say that I don't believe in helping those who can't afford medical care, but that's a topic of charity rather than compensation and merit. And also, while the government does extract taxes from my paycheck, I don't believe that they should do so to distribute to others for their personal use or advancement. This is not the purpose of government. Don't get me wrong. Taxes are okay to a certain extent. We all agree to a need for a certain um, not to be withheld to fund services for the common good. We talked about this earlier, that it's good for the community as a whole and not for a particular group. It's important to remember this, all right? So what is common sense? In our example, it's simply that if you earn it, you merit it, period. Common sense does not need an advanced degree from an Ivy League school to understand. A simple observation of the situation and the facts is all that's needed. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> all right, so the next question we need to address is what is the difference between subjectivity and objectivity? Now, this is important because for us to develop a simple common sense view by looking at the basic facts, it depends on how we approach the facts for any given situation. Now, subjective means, this is the definition, based on or influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or opinions. That is the simple definition. The moon is pretty. That's an opinion based on my observation of the moon. It's that simple. I observe a situation and from, form an opinion based upon my personal feelings and tastes. Just like the definition says. I mean, by its very definition, my opinion is not fact. It's subjective to my own emotions, my own tastes, my own likes and dislikes. Now, this may not be the case for my neighbor who disagrees with me. He thinks the moon's ugly. All right, approaching a situation subjectively is not in and of itself a bad thing, especially when making decisions that will affect you personally. Um, let's look at a couple examples here. Okay, let's say a person likes, likes wolves, all right? Uh, they decide to decorate the inside of their house with wolves, pictures of wolves, paintings of wolves, statues of wolves, wolves howling on the stereo. I mean, it, it just doesn't matter what his neighbor thinks. How he decorates the inside of his house doesn't have anything to do with his neighbor. He can go broke if he wants buying wolf collectibles. That's his business. When you approach a situation subjectively, you need to take your own self-interest and feelings into consideration when making a decision. As another example, you, you may be thinking of looking for a new job. You, you have to look at things subjectively when you do this. I mean, how do you feel about your current job? What would most benefit you at a new job? What skills are you bringing to the table and how much do you think they're worth? This is a decision that will most impact you and not so much others. It's a kind of a selfish decision. 
Much like the consumer example from earlier, I mean, your reason for wanting the job, the reason for a company wanting you for a job is a self-serving reason. I mean, it may make you feel good to work for a company with a high level of uh, corporate social responsibility, but I doubt that you'd be willing to work for free for that company based simply upon that CSR. I mean, intrinsic value is important. But so are extrinsic values, and both are still kind of selfish in that they're either about making yourself feel good about the work you're doing or putting money in your own pocket. I mean, you're looking to personally benefit in one way, shape, or form from this change, and so how you feel about it, I mean, it does matter. All right? Now, back to our entitlement program, Social Security specifically as an example. When Social Security recipients look at the situation of Social Security subjectively, they want what they feel they paid into the program. Anything less would affect their current situation and the life that they had planned on throughout their careers. This is understandable. I mean, any cut would have immediate repercussions that they hadn't planned for. And before you say, but what about the next generation? Won't the repercussions be even worse for them? Well, yeah, but right now we're defining subjectivity. That subjectivity is not a bad thing. It has its place, and it's okay to use it in certain situations. When you're dealing with a situation that only affects you or an individual in your own interest, subjectivity is okay. But in cases that involve others as well as yourself, you need to turn to objective reasoning. You need to look at things objectively. You have to be able to look at the whole picture and make a decision based on the facts. And as I go through this, um, before we move on and define objectivity, I kind of want to make it clear here. I'm not picking on Social Security in particular. I mean, I truly understand the anger that current recipients feel about the mismanagement of Social Security and the effect it will have on their lives should the needed changes happen. But the problems facing Social Security, man, they're real and will have profound effects on future generations. My own the generations coming after me. I mean, it's a locomotive and we're all standing on the tracks, but the current generation of retirees, they don't feel the urgency as much because they likely will be able to escape the train before it runs them over. Uh, but for those further down the line, I mean, that it's probably going to be the end for them. I mean, you can apply this reasoning to any other topic, by the way, immigration, drug abuse, homelessness, etc. I mean, I was going to use homelessness, uh, the homeless situation as an example, especially because it's such a hot button topic here in California where I live, but I chose Social Security just because it was fresh in my mind. I had just read an article about it, two articles actually. Um, I mean, but look, at the end of the day, this podcast is not an expose on the current plight of Social Security. Um, I just wanted to use it um, as a consistent example through the length of the podcast, that's all. Okay, so uh, cool. Let's go ahead and move on to defining objectivity. Now, objectivity, uh, there's the definition of it, is expressing or dealing with facts or conditions as perceived without distortion by personal feelings, prejudices, or interpretation. Rewind back. Dealing with facts or conditions as perceived without distortion by personal feelings, prejudices, or interpretations. I mean, so that's like the opposite of subjectivity. <coughs> Things simply are what they are. The moon orbits the earth, right? A simple statement of fact. But you say, I mean, does it really matter? Can't I acknowledge the fact that the moon orbits the earth and I think that the moon is pretty? Well, absolutely you can, but you can't apply both to every situation. I mean, it descends, depends on what outcome you're trying to achieve. If I'm painting a picture to hang in my living room or bedroom or whatever, then the fact that the earth orbits the earth and the distance at which it orbit, orbits it, it, it doesn't matter. 
and I can draw a bigger moon to accentuate what I perceive as beautiful. It will have no effect on your life. I mean, it just makes me feel good. But if I'm researching the moon's effect on the Earth's tides so that I can write a paper for oceanic shipping, then it must be done objectively because others will be affected by the outcome. The facts are all that matter. Now, the same can be said for entitlement programs like Social Security. Even those who are currently receiving money from Social Security, they need to be encouraged to look at the situation objectively, apart from their emotions. And our elected leaders, who are, by the way, are expected to make decisions in everyone's best interest, they must do so. They should not be kowtowing to special interests. Uh, of course they do because they their only uh, business, the only thing they care about is getting reelected and staying in their position. So we need to start holding their feet to the fire and holding them accountable. All right, now, while there will be repercussions to those who are currently collecting Social Security, this is a topic that has an effect far beyond their own personal situation. Therefore, it cannot be approached subjectively. Not if we want an outcome that is good for everybody. Also, when we look at situations objectively, we can look at the facts, all of them, including how it will affect those personally involved. So we can take, take what your feelings, your emotions, and we can put that into the equation. All right. In the case of Social Security, we can come to a mutual agreement that benefits everybody involved, that addresses some of your immediate concerns, but it doesn't mean that everyone won't have to make a sacrifice, including those already retired. But it does mean that we will be able to continue to receive it in the future. I mean, if left to just subjective reasoning and the subjective view and emotional view of, 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 of the problem, it'll simply be an, I don't care, I just want mine mentality until the system just goes bankrupt and we get nothing. Or very little. I don't know that it will ever completely go away, but it will be um, probably next to useless, all right? Now, now I, can, I can hear, I want to take a break for a second, because I can hear those... <coughs> who are very compassionate. We often call them bleeding hearts, whatever. And that's kind of a negative connotation I don't like, but they're very compassionate. They have strong convictions. Uh, and they, they, they feel the pain and the needs of others, those who are destitute, and maybe those who are, are, can barely afford to live with the amount they get from Social Security. They feel their pain. They weep with them. They, they want to provide relief from that pain. Right? This is empathy. And while empathy is a good thing, it can be damaging when misplaced. So, simple explanation of empathy is putting yourself in another's shoes. So you can, you know, try to experience things through their eyes. I mean, actors often use this to get into the emotional state of the character they're playing. Now, in many aspects, empathy, it's a good thing. I mean, laboratory research backs the fact that it makes you kinder to the person you're empathizing with. And in certain cases, this is very important, okay? And especially in familial groups, um, and small social groups, but according to psychologist Paul Bloom, empathy can be a poor moral guide. He explains that empathy has a habit of spotlighting an individual and their immediate issues rather than the problem as a whole. If the world were a simple place where we only had to deal with the problems of an individual, then empathy would be the answer. End quote. All right, the world, as we know it, is a complex place, so we need a broader view. Now, in the case of Social Security, the empathetic person would agree with the Social Security recipient. They would feel the pain of, giving, uh, of living on a fixed income. In and of itself, there's nothing wrong with this, but I mean, perhaps that person would be sparked to volunteer to charity, that charity that helps the elderly and those on fixed incomes, or even start a new charity themselves. But that kindness and drive to help the one person or that small group, that does not address the problem as a whole. 
And indeed, it may end up causing more problems for future generations that have not entered that group. Because they're not really fixing the problem, they're just alleviating immediate needs. Now, now, marketing, marketers, they use empathy as a tool quite often. All right, how many of you have seen this commercial that comes on TV showing abused puppies and kittens? It's heartbreaking. I'm an animal lover, so it's just heartbreaking. My, I have dogs and cats, they're all rescues. Uh, but groups like these, they use empathy to raise money for causes that may not be as important as larger issues. I mean, it causes you to focus in on a small group and, and begin to feel their pain. Now, how many of us have seen that commercial and immediately donated to help abuse dogs? Probably qu- quite a few. But how many, how many of you have actually given any real thought to the millions upon millions suffering in foreign countries around the world, or even within your own country, and how to fix this problem at its root level? I mean, we care more about... Uh, I'm, I'm going to take this one step further. Okay, to a political and current, I mean, we're having some current political and government issues in our nation right now. I mean, we care more about the plight of the poor millennial strapped with college debt to the point that we're willing to embrace socialism to get that debt forgiven. Or, 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 or we want to provide free health care, even to illegal people who are not citizens, they're not paying in, we want to give it to them for free. Now, I mean, again, back to common sense. You don't have to live long enough to, before you learn there's no such thing as a free lunch. There is no free. But we disregard the fact that socialism historically has always failed. And no, the Nordic countries have huge welfare states but are free market. They are not socialist. So let's stop repeating that, okay? Lenin himself said that the ultimate goal of socialism is communism. And the facts are that over the last 100 years, communism and socialism has been responsible for over 100 million deaths, including what's currently happening in Venezuela. And by the way, that wasn't, didn't happen at the point of a gun. Those people voted for that. Well, that's not what I want, you say. Well, nobody does. Nobody wants to see society resort to hunting dogs and cats in the streets to feed their families because they're starving. Time and again, that is what this socialist ideal has proven to create. But people are blinded by the very narrow emotional view provided by empathy. They're more concerned with being compassionate in the here and now to to a small group of people rather than solving the problems for everyone involved, including our posterity, our future generations. So continuing on this topic of empathy, according, according to psychology today, And this is their quote, while empathy does, of course, promote pro-social behavior, it can also distort perceptions of the greater collective good, leading us to violate moral principles and to privilege the welfare of a few above that of the many, end quote. Now, of course, there are other issues that also arise from empathy, such as false altruism and performing seemingly selfless acts for very, or for, for very selfish reasons, but that's a discussion for another day. What we're really trying to stay focused on here is the reason why it seems that, and um, I don't want to say most people here because I don't actually have any polling evidence or data to support that, that, that phrase, but I'm just going to say that the reason why it seems that... Um, the most vocal people in our society seem to be focused on individual issues rather than facing the hard facts and acting in the best interest of our nation, our states, and our communities as a whole. I mean, in the case of Social Security, the focus is on this 15% or so that are 65 or older rather than taking into account 
the other 85% that are coming up behind them. I mean, we see this with other issues as well. I mean, the biggest one you can think of is probably the homeless crisis uh, in places like California and Washington. I mean, they attack the symptoms rather than the problem. They want to provide permanent housing rather than getting to the root of why these people cannot provide themselves with permanent housing in the first place. They're not homeless because they don't have a home. They don't have a home and are homeless because something else has happened in their life. That's where the problem is. That is where the fix lies for the problem as a whole. And the consequences of this lack of seeing the issue objectively is filth and disease in our streets. And that has a far greater impact on the majority who pay for the public spaces that these people are actually exploiting. In all honesty, I don't want to make this about specific topics. I'm trying to encourage you to, to, to see things apart from your own emotions, your own self, to look at things objectively, look at the simple facts. I mean, in all honesty, this podcast has gone for a very long time. Um, I'm trying to get you to take in this whole, this whole idea of looking at things objectively, sympathetically, and with some common sense. Now, I've been trying to illustrate the need for an objective view of the problems that face our nation and our communities, because even legislation should work along these lines, creating laws that benefit society as a whole, or not having laws that hold people back, rather than creating laws that secure entitlements or specific rights for a small portion of the population. I, I don't want to sound too utilitarian here, uh, because there's definitely a human element that must be considered as well. I mean, it can't all just be numbers and proofs. But the way in which you see the world, insight, as C.S. Lewis would call it, cannot be changed by debate or arguing. For you must have a correct insight in the first place in order to hold the debate. Otherwise, you, who have given into your emotion, given into a very nearsighted, narrow view of any of these situations, you have become that proverbial pigeon from earlier. I assure you, I am human. I have feelings. I care very much for my fellow man. I'm a Christian. I love my neighbors, myself. At least I try. I mean, my care goes beyond the immediate to the point that I'm willing to make some sacrifice with the group as a whole, setting aside my own desires to help an, just an individual or just to help myself so that the future can be secure for our children and for our grandchildren. I know this may be difficult. You may strain against what you've considered your best quality, what society has told you is at least the best quality to try and attain, which is your compassion. And it is an important quality. Don't get me wrong. We need to have all of these things. But before you blast that neighbor online for wanting the homeless encampment cleared out, before you scream at a stranger about the need to provide special privilege to a small portion of the population, I urge you to please step back and try to look at things from a grander perspective. Caring about your neighbor and the individual and yourself, those are important things too. All right, and, and if we would step back and look at the grander issues and deal with those objectively, it would then free us up to be able to work on those smaller problems. If we fix the problem with Social Security, now it's fixed for everybody. We can leave that behind and we can work on just those individual problems that are affecting those that are retired right now. If we worked on, on, on building a foundation that, that, that encourages these homeless people to get off of drugs, alcohol, get new job skills and enter the job market, maybe even live someplace where they can actually afford to live, then we can go after and start getting the smaller, the, the even little nitpicking at the ones that really need help or can't go any further. That we need 
to start being able to look at things objectively and look at the bigger picture. We need to be able to see the world as it is. Uh, just see things as they are. I mean, that doesn't mean we're without compassion, that we don't have feelings or emotions, but it means that those emotions, they need to be tempered by logic. It's time to take a vested interest in our nation and our society. I, let, 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 me, let, let me explain what I mean by that. Let's say my family very much enjoys driving Chevrolet vehicles. I have one. My wife has one. My parents have them. My aunts and uncles, we all have them. We love Chevrolet. As a result, Chevrolet routinely asks me my opinions, invites me to participate in market research. I'm a valued consumer of their product, and they care about what I have to say about their product. However, I have no right to go to a shareholder meeting, no right to voice an opinion about the board's actions or to vote for board members, for that matter, or to have any say in how the company or the corporation is run. I'm a consumer, nothing more. I consume their product. Now, of course, we have a somewhat symbiotic relationship. I want them to succeed so that I can have the cars I like, and they want me to be happy with their products so I continue to purchase more of them and give them my money. But the relationship is self-serving. I mean, I really have no interest in how the corporation is run. And if Chevrolet goes out of business, well, I mean, I might be sad about the loss of the product, but I'll simply start buying Fords. I mean, I really haven't lost anything. Sure, Chevrolet gets my money, but I get a product. I mean, it's an even trade. But wait a minute. If I put my money where my mouth is, if I now purchase stock in Chevrolet, I now have skin in the game. I own a portion of the company, and I get a say in how the company's run. To a certain extent, anyway. I mean, you see, I have invested my own money and taken a risk in the hope that I will get a good return. And as a result, the future of the company, not just the immediate, becomes very important to me. I have vested interest. This is the way it needs to be with Americans. Certainly, I mean, we need to think about the immediate needs of ourselves and our neighbors. That's important. Let's not completely set that aside. That's not what I'm saying. But we also need to have a mind for the future, for the bigger picture. I mean, this very ideal, it's spelled out in the preamble to our Constitution. It says, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and get this, secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, to do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Our posterity, guys, that's your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, that's for future generations. They understood the importance of securing all of the blessings and the liberties you enjoy for the people who haven't even been born yet. Now, I, I urge you, truly, truly think about this. Ruminate on this. Chew on it. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. It starts with you. If you believe it, you need to live it. Thank you for listening to Voice of X. And until next time, God bless.